When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to India on 99.94, your home of Indian cricket content. I'm Nikesh Raghani, BBC commentator and your host and my co-host as always alongside me, Sara Waris of Wisden. Sara, always plenty to talk about in Indian cricket and uh, today we're going to have a little look back at the, uh, well, I'd call it a bit of a waste of time tour of New Zealand. How, how would you describe it? I I didn't see a lot of the series to be very honest, just probably getting over the T20 World Cup or just too much of cricket and yeah, waste of the series as you would say. Too much rain and uh, a few positives but overall not a lot of answers. Yeah, and a lot of rain as well. So we'll we'll discuss that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have a look at some of the, the combinations that were tried whenever they did get an opportunity uh, in this series, both the T20s and, and especially the ODIs. We've talked about the, the T20s enough, uh, I think, as of now. And uh, we'll talk about the batting lineup, the opening combination, and uh, we'll also discuss uh, some other business towards the end of the episode. Uh, Jadeja, Ravi Jadeja and his entry into politics, is it? Him or his wife? It's quite confusing. You, you wouldn't know it's his wife reading all his social media posts. So we'll have a little discussion into that as well towards the end of the episode. But let's kick off with the ODI series. Third ODI, you know, today as we speak, um, but, you know, a long time ago in terms of the time difference between here uh, in the UK and even in India and New Zealand. Um, disappointing for India with the bat. Look, it was rained off in the end. India got away with one there, 219 all out. Only Shreyas Iyer and uh, Washington Sundar really showed up with the bat and uh, Sundar doing a bit of a rescue job down at the back end of the innings. Shikhar Dhawan, the skipper in this series, once again, 28 from 45, striking at 62. I mean, even by his standards, that's low. Uh, Shubman Gill didn't do much better. Rishabh Bunt was in at number four, didn't do great. Sky, well, Sky is the limit in T20s, doesn't seem to be the case in ODIs, the, the the batting, albeit, you know, without some of the big guns playing in this series, looks very lightweight at the moment, doesn't it? You you don't look at that lineup and think, mm. I can rely on that top six to get me a good score every time. Where is Sanju Samson? Where is Sanju Samson? I He played the first match and then was dropped for the remainder of the series. What does he need to do? Like, right now, it's just getting absurd and absurd because he has the numbers. He... His uh, he averages sixty six this year, has a strike rate of hundred and four. Where is Sanju Samson? It's bizarre all these selections, and you know the World Cup is less than twelve months away, and you have to now start uh, getting your fifteen together. And instead, they're just you know messing up formats. This player again being rested. This player not being there. Where was Siraj? Siraj is 
best format i think is odis so why wasn't he picked in the team where is shami uh, shami doesn't need dress in odis i think he's a certain starter um, in odis so where is he and why does he they why do they need dress they've hardly played uh, shami just returned after a long time played in the t20 world cup and it's just all these absurd selections again the bangladesh series then it doesn't have gil in the 11 um in the squad which you know is what are they doing this just committing the same mistakes again and again and even with the new selection committee coming in the bangladesh squad was picked by the former, former committee but i don't see any like you know the bcci is the bcci it remains who, the who same who picked that so squad though just, i i'm interested yeah. to know because the former committee was yeah. sacked right when you get sacked you don't then come in the next week and do your job again do you i don't think they i don't think it was i mean look they may have said look this decision was made before they were sacked whatever i think it's basically rohit sharma rahul dravid and maybe with a bit of input from somebody else maybe even the vice captain kale rahul got involved and and they just came up with this bangladesh squad as well which is interesting as you say and they don't seem to have any clear plan and and this is a concern because they might think okay there's one year the one whole year left until that 50 over world cup but a year's not a long time unless they schedule in lots of these odi series you know in in the little gaps that they have and there are very few gaps that they do have between now and next november or october i think it is it starts um so there's there's not a lot of time there's not a lot of one day internationals you might think oh yeah we've got 15 ODIs or whatever that's not a lot to get your side together to win a world cup when you are so unsure about what your 11 should be and maybe they are sure maybe they've decided that we're going to go old school and we're just going to go with the rohits the kls the usuals maybe that's their plan all along and they're just giving these guys a rest until the run up to the world cup we we just don't know there's no as always there's little communication between the bcci and the media and you know there's there's just a lack of transparency so we don't know shikadawan looks a shoe in to me otherwise why would he even be there why would he be in the mix why would he be getting international caps now if he's not going to play so he he's going to play that's a massive concern his strike rate at the top of the order is, has been terrible of late yeah they all these stats go around don't they on social media where shikadawan mm. in among the top run scorers for is, is he the top run scorer for indian odis in the last 12 months he's up there isn't he yep but that's yeah, because he's played more matches yeah. than anyone else because there's yeah. so many of these series yeah. where no one wants to play and he's you know shoehorned in as the captain the the makeshift captain and then even when all the big guns are back he's still a part of their plan so he plays in those as well so he's played played basically every match his average isn't great his strike rate's in the low 70s or all right he's moved it up to the mid 70s then of late which is, but... the, which is <laughs> exactly. the worst which is still the worst by any india batter since 2008 obviously there are some filters and all but you know the worst by any batter since 2008 when odi cricket was much different than what we know it now so yeah the one i i there is gale and if Gill has been doing so well in this series like even in overcast conditions uh he did so well and he's not part of the bangladesh series so 
but you know with how he is going i for me gil is a must in the team for in the 11 for the world cup next year like currently with how it's going especially with the conditions uh, being uh, in india and what's even more absurd is i can see the selection committee or the bcci or the management whatever making the same mistakes which they made in the t20 world cup this year you know going back on experience omitting youngsters omitting form overlooking overlooking all these things and just being like you know experience kl rahul is experience so we are going to stick with him shikhar dhawan is experience we are going to stick with him no matter that he is you know well in his late 30s or that so many other reasons his reflexes are obviously not the same and he's just slow down even his running between the wickets is not that great in the first odi india made um, 306 and they lost and a lot was said about the bowling etc etc but it's the openers up front led by shikhar dhawan who you know they were 68 in 15 overs 45 meter boundaries which which is absurd because it's you know you have to start off well and it's the power play again i i spoke about how the power play will cost india the semi final it's just a power play how you begin and dhawan right now and rohit sharma you know rohit sharma's reflexes are also on the wane so it's both of them I, I, i'm just scared you know how it's going to pan out because i can see the same mistakes being repeated yeah massive concern then at the top of the order And in the middle order, yeah, you're right. Where is Sanju Sampson? What does he have to do? Um, yeah. Is Rishabh Pant the answer? He's he's a, look. He's a much better ODI player, I feel, than a T20 player. Certainly, the stats would show that. We saw him the way he won England. Uh, sorry, won won a game in England basically on his own, batting in that middle order with Hardik there as a partner. But that hundred he scored, I think it was at Old Trafford to win that. ODI there you know brilliant brilliant innings to finish that game off and and that's what he can do and he's done that in the longest form of the game in test cricket where he's batted for long periods of time he can dig in he'll occasionally run down the wicket and play a bit of a slog and sometimes it'll look quite ugly but most of the time it'll come off and and he seems to be able to sort of know when to do that and in T20s he feels almost the pressure and the fact that he's such a brilliant stroke maker that he's almost expected to do it every ball which is not always it shouldn't be the case but he seems to take on too much burden and and he looks very ugly when he's trying to slog in t20s whereas in odis and in test cricket he seems to pick the right moments of when to do it and and i think it suits him more despite the fact that he's one of the most destructive batters that india has probably ever produced i think the longer forms suit him better and and you know it's like virendra sewag You look at Virendra Sehwag's ODI average and look T20 internationals he, he wasn't around for a lot of them so you can't really judge him on that but you look at his ODI record and his average is like 30 31 32 something like that his strike rate is very good over 100 but the average isn't great when you consider all the great players that were around him but then you look at test cricket Virendra Sehwag average of just touching 50 and he played over 100 test matches he got two triple centuries nearly got three We've got two ninety three as well in there, um, so it's it's interesting that these type of players, the Risha Bunts and the Virendra Sehwag, almost better suited to the longer forms of the game. Um, so I think ODIs suit him a lot better than T twenties. But then, is it a straight toss up between him and Sanju Sampson, or, or can you fit both of them in? Mm, 
there's Surya Kumar Yadav also. You know, it's very tricky question because there's Surya Kumar Yadav also and I have reservations about him playing the 11. It's almost like, you know, the selectors are like, okay, wow, you've done well in T20Is. Come, you'll automatically do when, uh, well in um, ODIs also. And that's not been the case. You know, uh, somehow he's just, he doesn't have the, um, he doesn't know how to... Uh, play according to an ODI, like he doesn't know how to uh, frame it. I'm not getting the word. Uh, But, you know, just accelerate and he looks to go after the bowling right from ball one. This happened in the first ODI when the third ball that he faced, the first ball was a four and the third ball that he faced was a short ball. There were slips in place and he, you know, just punched one and... uh, it was caught in the slips. And so it, it doesn't seem that he has the patience maybe to b- play ODIs. I know it's he is a star player and that can change overnight. But it's just that with so many other uh, informed players around, there is KL Rahul also. So if KL Rahul comes in and there is Samson also, so how does he fit into the team? And it's all very confusing right now. Even Sky, his list average is 36, which which is not the best. His innings construction, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, it's not that, you know, not the best. Like someone like Shreya Sayar knows that, you know, he starts off slow and then he knows how to go in and get the big runs. And yeah, so you were talking about Samson, Pant or... Do you yeah. have... But do you have Sky? I mean, we'll come to Samson and Panth as well. But do you have Sky then in the ODI side? The, the reason I'm saying that, that I reckon he should be in the side is he offers you something different. And and okay, you need to pace those innings. But then you look at teams like England, even in ODI cricket over the last five seven years, they're scoring like four hundreds and four fifties and stuff. Not always, but you know when when it's a good track when the conditions allow it and even if they're not doing that they're consistently getting the 350s rather than the 300s and you need that extra bit of firepower in that lineup and yeah you've got Rishabh Pant but he you know he does start off a little bit slower in ODIs and and understandably that's his game and it's worked well for him but then do you have Sky as a finisher because do you do you have a, a real sort of ODI finisher in the lineup if if you haven't got somebody like that down there and you're not selecting the likes of, you know, your Tawatias or, you know, some of the other guys that we spoke about as well. Do you, do you just put him down at 6-7 then maybe and, and have him as a finisher? But then where does he play? Like, um, there, Pandya is going to be there. A year at four is a lock-in for me. The only place open is at five, I think. Pandya is going to be there at six. Jadeja at seven. Sundar at eight with all that he's done. And at... Uh, five so I think the only place open for him there is one place open at five and I that will be a toss up between KL Rahul Pan Samson Surya Kumar so uh, sometimes you know I think the uh, rich talent pool which everyone keeps talking about sometimes proves to be a uh, curse for India and the management and the selectors because they're like so much to do and we don't know what to do sometimes it looks like you know uh there are no options for them or the people they bag. They they don't have answers to it. So, uh, who plays? You are talking about Pan, Samson, Rahul. Rahul, for me, his strongest format is ODI. So, 
there are so many options and I'm not going into the hoodas and the other people who are around the scene also. Uh, so yeah, it's a blessing as well, of course, for the Indian team, you can say. It is indeed. Right. We'll, we'll focus on the bowling uh, in just a second after this short break. I'm Neil Manthorpe, one half of South Africa on 99.94 with Lungani Zama. We're covering the Rainbow Nation as it undergoes its biggest transition since readmission. We cover every part of the South African game on 99.94 and you can hear us several times a week where you find your podcasts or on YouTube. So we've we've done the batting. Um, I'm I'm almost sick of talking about potential combinations. You're right; there are too many players to choose from, which is a, a problem. Too many talented players to choose from, and they always seem to be backing the wrong ones. Um, it feels like we've talked about this to death, doesn't it? Through T20s and ODIs, and I mean, look, I can't wait for India to get back into Test action because we've not really had a chance since we started this podcast. We've not had a chance to discuss test cricket which is i feel safe with test cricket it's it's pleasant it's over five days you can take your time talking about it you can build up nicely to a series it's not rushed and they don't shoehorn in a series in in a little gap they have in the calendar it's always pre-planned and you know i i can't wait for for some test cricket um but while we're here we must talk about the odi bowling as well and it's it's I think it's weird that they didn't play Umran Malik in T Twenty cricket, and then now they're putting him in in ODIs. Are, are they scared that he might leak too many runs, and that ODI cricket might afford him that little bit more of sort of you know bedding in time, I suppose, into getting into his straps in international cricket because batters won't be coming as hard. Is it is it too cautious an approach to? stick him in in a meaningless ODI series. Are you going to learn anything from that as well? You definitely aren't. And that's why I'm like, Siraj should have been in the ODI team because Siraj over, even Arshdeep, I'd say, in the pecking order. Arshdeep and Umran Malik, obviously, in the pecking order. So, Siraj was in the T20I team. Mm, he's fine in T20Is, not the greatest, not the most lethal, can be expensive on his day, but ODIs is better suited for him. So it's just, I think, a case of, you know, mixing up formats. Maybe the selectors don't know which format is, you know, better suited for someone. And we, because we are away from the whole scene, so to say, uh, you know, we have an outer perspective of things. Sometimes when you're too embroiled in everything, you can't, you know, see, get a clear picture. Maybe that's that's what's happening. And yeah, you are right about Umran Malik. Though he did do well, like in his chances, uh, to be fair to him, in the first spell, especially in the first ODI, he was very impressive. He was bowling quick in the 150s consistently. And even Arshdeep, like they made their debuts together in the match. And Arshdeep later said that... Uh, because batters are facing someone like Umran Malik at 155, uh, they are like, okay, one someone bowling at 135 will be easier for them. And, you know, that's how he manages to choke them. So um, I think that combination can work well going forward. But if you are seeing things in the next one year, I personally, I have spoken a lot about, you know, having Umran Malik in the team, etc., etc. We have spoken a lot. But yeah, you're right. He's better in the T20i format for now, I would say. Um, 
rather than in the ODIs when there is already Siraj and Shami around. And I don't think India is going to go in with more than three or four. Uh, Deepak Cheher is also there also. So I, I don't see India, like in India, they are not going to play three seamers plus Pandya in the 11. So yeah, just just give the ones who are likely to play a longer rope. I don't know why they're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, and, and it also begs the interesting question about multi-format cricketers and can you be a three-format player these days and, and the amount of cricket that there is because it just seems to never stop. And not only are you putting your body through all that strain, it's also, it takes mental strain for a lot of the players. They're away from their families and, and that is a, a big problem as well. You know, they're away for like 10 months a year sometimes and that can have incredible, you know, negative impact on your mental health as well. Um, so it's the mental health, the physical health. You know, if you want these players to play for such a long period of time, you you can't expect them to play all three formats. They might be best suited to to one or, or the other anyway, or maybe two out of the three. So with an Umran Malik, do you then just for now say, look, we want you in the T20I team. We'll build, try and build towards that 2024 World Cup. Don't worry about 2023. You, you, he'll be there or thereabouts if there's injuries and stuff like that. He'll still be in the mix uh, in, in terms of being talked about for potential selection, but not necessarily in your best five seamers that you're going to select um, to go to that World Cup. And then do you try him in test cricket? Particularly, I mean, I'd say even at home because what are you going to play? Maybe two seamers for India at home and then three spinners, something like that. Depending on the Bumrah anyway yeah. might not play unless it's Australia. <laughs> exactly. So. But then on dead wickets, yeah. if they are spinning wickets, that extra pace, you know, teach him to reverse swing it, all those kind of things, that that pace will come in use because there's no point in having a, a one thirty five bowler who's, you know, not going to be swinging it after the first spell anyway. You you probably need that extra pace and short deliveries and Yorkers and all that kind of stuff just to mix it up. So you need that enforcer in the lineup. So even at, even in home test matches, you'd probably say he'd be more suited to that format and more useful for India in test cricket and T20s at the moment than in ODIs. And it just seems that nobody's got a clue about how to plan for these things. And we're here sitting here talking about it. We've not played international cricket. We've not coached. We've not got coaching badges. But it seems like common sense. I've never played Sorry? cricket. <laughs> I've well, there never you go. Cricket. So, <laughs> but it just seems like common sense that there's too much cricket. Not yeah. everyone can play all three formats. Make a plan. Who's going to play which format, and and who are your sort of you know key players in each format, and you know let them play that one and the second strongest suit, and whatever their third suit is, just say look, we've got other players to come in and do the job, and make a plan with those other players. Because it's getting too much, it's getting ridiculous. And it's part of the problem, isn't it, that we look at the way India play ODI cricket, they play T20 cricket, and yeah, there was all this talk about, you know, let's let's go out there and express ourselves and, you know, attack the power play and play with this, um, you know, new tempo. The tempo was was the key word, wasn't it? We were going to play with a different tempo in the power play. That that's That's not happened. And that is partly due to the fact that Rohit Sharma and KL Rahul are your test openers, potentially your ODI openers as well, or certainly both in the ODI side. And then they're also playing T20 cricket. 
it's difficult for a start to switch between formats like that. And also, it's just too much. It's fatigue, right? You're heading into a World Cup and you're knackered. You can't do that. You need players who are a little bit fresh. Yeah, they're in the routine of playing, but they've got to be fresh, haven't they? And and you're not going to have fresh players if you keep doing this. Hardik Bundy is a good example. He should never play. I think he would be a great test player if he was fit. But I don't think he should ever play test cricket now because he's too valuable in white ball cricket for India. And if they want to win ICC tournaments in white ball cricket, he needs to be playing in them. And he's more valuable there than he is in the test side, even though I think India have been crying out for somebody like him since Kapil Dev retired, probably a fast bowling all-rounder. But he's more valuable in white ball cricket, so he shouldn't play test cricket. And that's probably what's going to happen. So that that's a good decision. But that's only based on the fact that he's had really, really serious back injury, which could have ended his career. If it wasn't for that, they probably would have him in the test side, wouldn't they? It's just no common sense. Also, on a, yeah, all your points were very on point. And a, another point which I had was, uh, I was just lo- listening to Rishabh Pan's interview today to Harsha Bhogle. Uh, and uh, he was talking about down, downtime. Downtime. So Harsha Bhogle asked him, what do you do in your downtime? And he's like, I don't have any downtime. And if you look at it, uh, last year he played 71 days of international cricket, including tests and everything, the most by any Indian. So um, the highest was 80 by Mohammad Rizwan. Uh, and 71 is a lot, especially considering that he all the travel and plus the IPL, of course. Uh, he's the captain in Delhi Capitals. This year, he's already played the most by uh, most number of days uh, by any Indian across all formats. And yeah, you can say that he's young, 24, 25, he can handle it. But that's, you know, already burdening him with all three formats and he clearly is struggling in T20Is. You're not giving him a longer rope also. The workload management is not being applied to Rishabh, someone like Rishabh Pant here because the KL Rahuls and the Pandyas and um, everyone else is being rested. But I don't remember a series where Pant was rested. Maybe there was this one-off series which uh, he was rested for one series but I don't really remember which. But... So even someone like Pant, you know, you can say, yeah, he's a batter and all that. He doesn't have that physical, he doesn't require that physical uh, energy that much or whatever. But, you know, it's the mental strain. And with someone like him, who's already too young, you're already risking him by uh, pressurizing him and tiring him him out and some of the shots which he has played in this ODI series actually seem very tired shots. Like, you know, just lacks that extra time and it's not because he doesn't have the skill. He's a once in a generational player. It's just that, you know, the fatigue is setting in on him also. So it's like the Kohli's and Rohit's are being rested. But on the other hand, this why is in the same being given to someone like Rishabh Pant also? So yeah, that's another like randomly just came on top it's of a, my head. And that's another point. That it's a great point because yeah. you look at somebody like Sachin Tendulkar who in 1989 started playing test cricket at the age of 16, was playing first class cricket a year before and was playing a lot of cricket in his junior days. He's playing every day, but that's, that's different, right? When you're a kid and you're developing but the fact that he went from 16 and then in 1989, he played his last international game, his last test match in November 
of 2013, so nearly another, you know, nearly into 2014. And he was 40 years old then. And would he be able to do that now? Because he played all formats. Because I don't really consider T20 internationals to have been a format for his career. I know it was for a few years, but he was sort of in his late 30s by then. He played one match. So he basically played for for the entirety of his career, all the cricket that was available to him. But there were times where India would have two months off or three months off. And and that was crucial, not just to him, but all the players of that generation, but especially to somebody like him, who was the best player in the world, arguably one of the greatest players to have ever picked up a bat in the history of the game, if not the greatest. And he he just wouldn't be able to survive these days if he was asked to play, even if he was just asked to play test cricket and ODIs, just the amount of travel. Obviously, now that you've got the IPL as well, it would just be too much and he'd probably retire at 32 or 33 and be done with it. And yeah, he would have made a lot of money, probably would have had you know great records. But, you know, even though Sachin probably went on 18 months too long in his career, but that's his right, you know, he earned the right to do that through what he did in previous years. But we we may lose the next Sachin Tendulkar because of this. I mean, Rishabh Bunt was not being talked in those terms, but being talked in, in sort of MS Dhoni terms, certainly. He, he could have been that player, but it hasn't quite transpired across formats because too much is being asked of him. He's playing too much cricket. And these guys need a rest. They're human beings. You know, their bodies ache. Their brains ache. They suffer depression as well. It's just, it's a ticking time bomb. And you've seen what it's done to players, not only from India, but, you know, in India, it's, it's probably still a bit of a taboo subject to talk about mental health, even though there's been a little bit more talk recently. If you look at England players, Ben Stokes, you know, is, is a great example. Sat out like, you know, six, eight months or whatever it was to focus on his mental health. And he had to do that because he was playing every format. He was playing IPL and it was too much. It was too, too much just just being on the road for that amount of time, being confined, particularly when it was the pandemic, in bubbles, in hotel rooms, all that stuff. It's just, it's, it can be a horrible thing to have to go through, even though they're privileged to play international cricket and earning all that money. It doesn't necessarily bring them happiness. So you're right. Yeah, and... That's why that's why I keep talking about using the word continuity in so many of my podcasts. You know, if you have one squad, you ensure continuity. Now what's happening is VBS Lakshman is the head of New Zealand. He, uh, he's the coach in New Zealand. Obviously, Rahul Ravid has earned the right to take a rest. But I'm not talking about that. Because of so much cricket being played, there are times when Dravid is with the team in one series and Lakshman is the coach in another series. So someone like a Gil, who is the um, like under uh, Lakshman in one series, he is now going to play under Dravid in another series. And, you know, obviously, no matter how much the... Uh, how much Dravid tells Lakshman that, you know, coach this way or uh, do this and do that. Lakshman will have his own views and that will only go on and mess up someone like a Shubman Gill or Umran Malik or whoever else there is. You know, should I play that way? Should I not play that way? I am in the squad for Bangladesh. I am not in the squad for New Zealand. Uh, 
it's just going to you know create self doubt and uh, like make the person question himself more and which is already going to add to the stress which is created by the ipl and so much of uh, cricket and the scrutiny which is played because with so much competition it's like one bad match not even, i'm not even talking about one bad series and you're out sanju samson hasn't really done uh, anything to be dropped and yet he's not in the team so it's so much more and yeah sometimes i worry about the players and they have this lavish lifestyle but it's really not easy being them so um yeah we are harsh in our criticism also but you know there's so many layers to it and yeah it's yeah frustrating is sad, sad frustrating yeah. and uh it's indian cricket isn't it right we'll take another short break yeah. and then off the back of that ravi jadeja what the hell's going on hi i'm mark jardo broadcaster and sri lankan cricket fan every week estelle vazu devon and myself will drop several episodes of sri lanka on 99.94 keeping you up to date on the latest for the sri lankan cricketing world if you want to know what hasaranga is up to where chabri athapatu scored her runs or what narosha dickwaller has been discussing behind the stumps then make sure to watch or listen to sri lanka on 99.94 you can find us wherever you get your podcasts on youtube and on the 99.94 Join the shrunken crooked conversation and get involved. So, <laughs> Ravindra Jadeja, politician, what's yeah. what's happening? I, I mean, it's it's look. His for those who don't know, and I can't imagine there's many that don't know. Um, his wife is campaigning for the BJP party in Jamnagar in Gujarat, his his home city, of course. And every social media post, and and he doesn't really, I mean, he went through a phase where he was posting a lot, just pictures of himself and all that kind of stuff. And then he sort of toned that down a little bit. Every now and again, you get like a photo shoot with him posing with his horses or in some new clothes or whatever it might be on his farm in in Jamnagar or just outside, which is fine. So, But he's not been as active on social media, I wouldn't have thought, of late until his wife started this campaign and now everything is all just about her um about him meeting narendra modi the other day uh, just just every every anything to do Amit with Shah. that election in jamnagar I, i'm not even sure what kind yeah. of election it is she campaigned to be an M- mp or it's the chief minister yeah it's the chief minister um well elections and she's campaigning for like yeah. the MP. Yeah. So the MP for, for Jamnagar, potentially. Look, it's fine to support your wife and, and you have to do that, obviously, yeah, as, a, as a married couple. Um, he's copping a lot of slack, though, uh, copping a lot of stick, rather, I should say, on social media for not just his views, because a lot of people don't support the BJP, of course, and, you know, they're, they're currently in government and, you know, People don't like them, obviously, and, and others love them. So so it's kind of like Marmite, you either love it or you hate it. Um, but should he be doing this much when supposedly he's injured? He's nowhere to be seen at the NCA in Bangalore, where he should be for his rehab. We haven't got any time frame on his injury and when he'll be back. He's not going to Bangladesh. Obviously, he's been injured for a while, missed the T20 World Cup. Should he be doing this? Is this rubbing Indian fans up the wrong way? More than that, 
it's a knee injury see first we need to see it's a knee injury knee injury needs to be healed it's not a hand injury where you know you can uh, and he's been campaigning on top of buses and walking miles and all that it's a knee injury it needs rest i have not i have knee pain i am i am an old person basically i have knee pain and i know that if i walk too much if i climb the stairs or whatever it's going to aggravate it's a knee injury we need to remember that he's a contracted player for the bcci the bcci pays him money and his first priority should be representing india that's how it is you know my employers wherever they are that is going to be my first priority i'm going to ensure my health is fine and everything takes the back seat there are reports that the bcci is equal to the bjp which is true because jaisha is running everything and his father is the head of uh, uh, the home minister of india so there are those talks and what's really interesting i don't know if you saw there was this uh, poster or something of his wife where she is petitioning that you know with all all her i'm going to do this and all that and there's a picture of jadeja there not his wife jadeja there wearing the indian jersey so should you be doing that considering that in the indian team itself there are a lot of people of different religions and different you know castes and everything and they might not support what you are doing you can do it you can have your own personal beliefs but uh, you know just understand the mindset of someone like a siraj or someone like a shami or someone like an umran malik if you are going to be playing with them and on the other hand you are com- campaigning for a party which has propagated hate o- openly for a minority i know i'm being very vocal and i shouldn't go into this domain and all that and i have received a lot of flag for it but there have been a, i got three or four dms about it that you know you should talk about it and i was like why first i was like no let it be you know why why to go into that terrain but then i'm like why shouldn't i talk about it because he is after all a current indian cricketer and his main goal should be playing for india getting uh, well on time and ensuring that the team unity is strong as ever whenever he takes a field and not player feels uncomfortable around him so uh, that's yeah that's all i have to say and i don't know if you believe with what i have said or don't but but my views on this are very strong and there were a few tweets which i said against jadeja but i deleted them because i'm like i'm going to get a lot of trolls for it at least on this podcast you know there whoever listens to it i hope you understand if you don't then that's fine with me because yeah, yeah look, everyone's points. entitled to to their opinion and and there's no doubt that the bjp has got great support not only in gujarat but across india they're, they're in government of course people vote for them people support them but even i think bjp supporters and and there's quite a few of those in england by the way the british indian community in in england and in the uk there's there's a you know you saw narendra modi come to wembley a few years ago and and i was there reporting on that for bbc news at the time and um i mean it's like wembley stadium sold out with all these old masses and stuff <laughs> in their saris come to support narendra modi so he's got great support and and his party has got great support around the world and you know so that you know everyone's entitled to their opinion but there are those who don't support him and and this is politics and 
should a current Indian cricketer be this, you know, obviously support your wife, maybe put out a tweet or two at the start to say, I'm proud of her, whatever. But even she should be telling you, you know, just it, it just it sits uncomfortably with me just seeing all this stuff coming off his social media. It's just he's a current India player. Shouldn't really be putting an Indian shirt picture on his mm. on on his wife's posters because that's um, like because yeah. that's almost saying that the Indian cricket team endorses yeah. your wife and this party, mm. which is that should never happen. Yeah. I mean, there's a similar situation just before we sign up. There's a similar situation at the Football World Cup at the moment where the Brazil national team have. I mean, there's there's been a lot going on in Brazil recently with elections and stuff and. Neymar Jr., who's the biggest star in, in Brazil at the moment, has been for, for a number of years, one of the biggest stars in world football. He was heavily campaigning for the right-wing former president who is no longer in power. And there are quite a few players within the squad, the Brazil squad, who haven't been quite as vocal, but I think who are you know, sort of leaning towards that way. And usually, you know, Neymar, he's he's the biggest star. You know, people want to follow what he's doing and even if they're colleagues of his. And then there's Richarlison, who's their top scorer at the World Cup, scored a couple in their first game. He's He's been on fire for them in, in recent times. And he's been getting a lot of praise now from a lot of the Brazil fans because he hasn't sort of bowed into that. This is what the team culture is. He's very left wing and you know but but it can create problems within the camp is all i'm saying so you don't want that to become an issue then as well because brazil at the moment are holding it together but apparently there's a lot of tensions within that brazil camp they're at a world cup they don't need these distractions they they just need to play football and and try and win the world cup and it's the same with india do do you want these things creeping into that dressing room then yeah indian cricketers might be vocal about you know, yeah, we wish our prime minister a happy birthday and all this kind of stuff. A lot of them do it because they feel they have to. It's the right thing to do. Everyone else is doing it. We'll just do it. It's only a message. But then campaigning for the party is a very different thing. And yes, support your wife, but draw the line there. And, and you know, once that's done, once you've shown your support to your wife, then uh, just, just concentrate on healing your injury and, and playing cricket again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just one thing, yeah. His his sister is with the Congress Party, okay. so you know. Wow. Can you imagine how that works? Yeah. Well, I can't actually. Yeah. yeah, it must must be quite tense in in the Jadeja family, um, as a result of that. But look, you know, we've got no problem with people, you know, campaigning for one party or another. But yeah, when it's a current Indian cricketer, um, you you've got to be careful about those things. You you wouldn't, for example. See Harry Kane or or even Joe Root or Ben Stokes or you know England rugby captain or anyone like that campaigning for Rishi Sunak or Boris Johnson would you? So uh, you know on the same hand why why should an, an Indian sports star be campaigning? I know it's his wife but ultimately he's campaigning for the party and that's the BJP and and that's Narendra Modi. So there you go. Anyway. Right, enough on politics, and, and hopefully that's enough from Jadeja on politics as well, uh, before too long. Thanks for listening to India on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from where you get your apps usually, and you can follow us personally on Twitter and Instagram. 
I'm at Nikesh Raghani and Sarah is at SWARIS16. We'll put links up for everything we do there on this podcast and beyond. And you can also follow our network at 99.94DM on social media. Remember, if you love cricket, then we are the home of Cricket Audio. Follow us for podcasts and commentary from the bat and ball world. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation 99.94. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashion You. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. <laughs> 